I'm not going to ask you to stand today for the reading of God's Word. But one of the reasons being we're going to be in the same passage. You can turn to John chapter 2. We spoke, or John chapter 5, verse 2. We spoke last week on the man at the pool of the Bethesda, and we talked about the commonalities of the incurable. We talked about how they gravitate to porches, how they gravitate to people of like sickness, of like weakness, trends, if you will, and those that uh, find themselves self-medicating the sin problems, self-medicating the rebellion issues. Um, it's kind of like a man who's dead in his trespasses and sins, but he'll go and build houses for habitat for humanity. Let's say it was spiritual AIDS, if you will. Well, you can build the house, but it never affects the AIDS. It never affects the issue. And this morning, I have a very, I don't want to say heavy. It's a strong word, and I want to look you in the eye and tell you, I'm not embarrassed to declare it to you. My prayer is that you don't think that I preach it from an elevated position of having it mastered. Truth is truth whether I declare it or not. Truth is truth whether someone we would say is saintly or whether it comes from the words of a donkey telling Balaam, don't go this way or we're going to die. Truth. I wanted even from the title of the message when I put it on uh, Facebook, I usually announce before, I wanted it to grab the attention. I didn't, I, I, I'm not watering down anything today. I, I don't think that I ever do, but I intentionally today have made my best effort in meekness to preach strong to you today. So if you leave and you say, that, that, that was straightforward. As long as it's truth, I'm good with you feeling that way today. These porches, we talked a little bit last week, and if you weren't here last week or didn't get to hear the message, please visit the website or listen to the podcast. These porches were built around a pool where at a certain season an angel would come in and trouble the water, and whosoever first got in the water after the angel troubled the water was healed of whatever disease they had. And around these pools... There were five porches, the Bible said, five colonnades that men built. Men built to bring relief to the people who were halt and lame and withered and blind and had a disease so that they wouldn't sit under a glaring sun waiting on the moving of the water. Ways to, the porches were man-made. The pool was God-made. The porches could bring relief, but never a remedy. The porches were powerless, but that which God did, that stirring, see that stirring of the water was in between the time of all the silent years, where 400 years God was silent, but there was a pool in Bethesda where every now and again there was a miracle that would take place that would let the Israelites know that God, although he had turned his back, he had not abandoned them. And there are porches today, and they're in the churches. The porches aren't in the world, per se, they are, but they are constructed 
in the churches that are supposed to represent God in the house of God. And so I want to give you a visual of these porches where people reside, wait, hope, but they're damnable places. They're just places where people go to, to wait to die. And because some pastor built it or painted it or made it look nice or pretty or depending on how many people are there, we say, no, that's an act of God. And so I want to talk to you about five porches, false belief systems, false doctrines, deluded gospels, distorted gospels, incomplete gospels, and man-made theologies that look just like these porches. So that the, the, the porches would be a perfect type of preaching and teaching that brings relief and never brings wholeness to man's soul. The hurting gather, they wait, they suffer, they're disappointed, they're disillusioned, they're dying by degrees, but we have a home group where you'll fit right in. Or we have fellowship, and you know, the consumer comes in, what do you have for me? And we have everything but God for them. True story. I went to Kentucky Fried Chicken one time, and it bothered me that they took the word chicken off their sign. It bothers me. We're KFC now. Why you took chicken off your sign? Just something to think about, something else to worry about. It just says KFC now. I went in, and I, I said, I want a three-piece uh, extra crispy. She said, uh, we're out of chicken. I let, I'm one of those people, I can't hide it. It's on my face, you know. Like if you say something stupid, I'll go. I said, excuse me? She said, we're out of chicken. I said, KFC Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I was being funny. I said, well, what do you got? We got mashed potatoes, got green beans, we got corn on the cob, we got and all this. And I said, but no chicken. No chicken. So I walked to my car thinking of how funny and how ironic that was. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord speak to me. How many places are called God's house and there's no God? No God. Oh, you got a talented musician or a talented preacher? Hey, listen, I don't want us to ever be known by any level of gifting or accomplishment or lack of gifting or lack of accomplishments, only this, that at Christ's chapel, Christ is there. That Christ is at home and that Christ is present. Okay, this list is not exhaustive. This could, you could do a 10-part series on this, but I want to give you five that your pastor sees as most prevalent. Porches that damn men's souls. And I know I prayed, but I want to pray again for myself. Father, I feel the weight and responsibility of today. And I'm not scared. I'm not worried about how I'm going to be perceived. I just, I'm nervous. I just want to say it right. I want to say it in a way that it can be understood, that it'll come from a place of meekness and humility but boldness, unashamedly declaring the word of God. Preach the word, not discuss it. Preach it, declare it, authoritatively proclaim it as absolutely truth. 
And let me do that today. Let me faithfully discharge this my commission to pull the, the cloak back on the wizard and let everyone see that this is not what they thought, that this was a lie. And may I expose these damnable porches that damn men's souls and that we might see thee, that we might see thy truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And I believe you for it today, Father, in Christ's name. Amen. Number one, not as much spoken about today, but still held as a belief, is there is no God or no afterlife. When we cease to die, we cease to exist. The comfort, you remember I told you porches always provide comfort, but no cure. The comfort found under this porch, this belief system, is that nothing that we do or left undone really matters, only that you spend your life on things and in ways that bring you pleasure or gain. Go for the gusto. So since there is no God, there is no standard set by God to live by, no God to stand accountable to and before. There's no opportunity to earn eternal reward or to experience external loss. This, is a, this ideology is at the core of secular humanism, which says that life is not valuable. We are no different than animals. And in most cases, we are of less value and less preciousness than animals themselves. That's why you can kill a child and it not only be a crime, but you can murder a child in the womb of a woman and have the government pay for it. But if you step, if you step on a sea turtle egg, it's a felony punishable by not just financial fine, but by prison time. I've never had anybody be able to answer me this. Okay, so, so, so let me get this straight. In that egg is a turtle. Yes. So if I break the egg, I kill a turtle. That's the felony. Yes, it's an endangered species. Y yes. Okay. If I take an egg out of a bald eagle's nest and I break the egg, I kill the eagle. Yes. Because that th embryo in the egg is an eagle. Yes. But if I take a child from the womb of a mother and kill it, it is n not murder because it's not a child. Yes. You can write this down. It's not in the Bible, but it's true. Common sense is no longer common. Amen. The Bible says not only that there is a God, but there is an afterlife. And everyone's going to stand before God and give an account for the deeds done in their body. Some unto life and some unto death. The Christian will stand before God and give an account for his works. Our sins have been covered, overlooked, because when we were born again and we accepted the redemptive work of Christ, when Christ looks upon us, when God looks upon us, he sees the blood, and when he sees the blood, he passes over us. But we will stand in judgment, not just for the things that we did, but the things we didn't do, the opportunities that we wasted. Amen. But those of us that are born again... Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life, and we have passed from death into life, and we are forgiven. But every other person will stand before God, like Adam and Eve in the garden, naked, having covered themselves with anything they could find. We would say today, good works. 
being a good daddy, being a good mama, being a good employer, being a good citizen, being a good boss, uh, being the best we can do. And all God wants to know is, what did you do with my son? And contrary to popu- the most popular belief in the Western world church is, well, there's no hell anymore. There's, you know, there's a heaven. Everybody goes to heaven, but there is no hell. And the Bible says, whosoever's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast alive into a burning lake of fire that burneth forever. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and forever. There is God. That, that's how, that's the only way we can have a standard. The creator had to set the standard for us. And we must all appear before the judgment seat of God. We're all guilty. And the world's got part of us right. We're all, we're all alike. We're all, yes, we're all alike. But we're not all in the same position. I can be more guilty than you and be forgiven. Because I've appropriated that grace. Well, there is no God. People gather under that porch. There's no God, so it doesn't matter. Yes, there is. Well, how did all this happen? Evolution. It takes more faith to believe in evolution than anything, any concept I've ever heard in my life. So somewhere back a couple couple billion years ago, two pieces of space dust collided Yes, Mr. Wood, where'd the dust come from? Just simple. And the dust collided and there was some type of, you know, neuron and electron, something kinetic happened and there was a spark and something. And then over a couple of hundred million years, it, it orbed and it turned into a planet and there was, the life came out of the planet and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's millions and millions of years process and then there was ooze and the ooze oozed up on the bank and then you know and then it became a person and it had a soul and it was conscious of each other and God and everything and well, at first it was a, it was a uh, kind of a half monkey half and, and now we're here in the beginning was the word God himself, and the written word is the express image of his person. So if you found comfort in this is all there is. See, secular humanism teaches our children who are no different than cattle. We just die and we go into non-existence. No, baby, this is the dress rehearsal. Eternity is the real show. The eternity is who we are in this life. Which side we're on and what we do with that position is what sets us in eternity where and how we shall be known. Some will be called least in the kingdom. Some will be called great in the kingdom. And all the others will be in hell forever. Your God sounds like my devil. Well, I didn't get to write his description What kind of God would send someone to hell? The same kind that would come in the form of flesh and die so they wouldn't have to go there. The question question is not how could someone go to hell? The question is how could any of us in this room go to heaven? That's the question. Okay. Number one is pretty self-explanatory. Number two. 
Second porch that damns men's souls. There is a God, but all roads lead to him. This is Oprah's gospel. She said, just, there can't be just one way. Scripture tells us there is one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no person comes to the Father but by me. None. Well, Allah is the same God. Nope. Well, our, our brother, we're all brothers, all, all faiths, and the ecumenical movement hides under this porch. Let's all come together. We'll gather at City Hall. We're of all faith. We're all God's children. No, 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 no. One small semantic thing. We're all God's creation. We're not all God's children. That's like saying all of us are God's children. Then why do you only take one home and feed him? Won't you? Hey. How many of y'all really feel we're all God's children? Y'all can pay for my kids' private school. Where are you? Come on. <laughs> my babies are your babies. Spread the love. Do you see the absurdity? We did not become a child of God by effort or because we were worth something. It was his idea. It was he that created us, not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We did not choose him, he chose us. And there's one path, one path which leads to Jesus Christ dying for the sins of the world that whosoever believeth on him, which means I believe that you paid the penalty of my sins for me. He took his blood into the heavenly tabernacle, put it on the mercy seat, and God seized the blood and it satisfied. The blood was not for you. The blood was for God to forgive us. Well, I just, I just, that's just so narrow. I can't, yes, you're exact, and you're exactly right. I will take that statement. You mean it is harm, but is right. So that you just think y'all are the only ones. Those that are born again, yes. We're the only ones. If you have a different gospel, a diluted gospel, a distorted gospel that changes the person of Jesus Christ or his words described in the scriptures, then we are not of the same faith. Sorry. Sorry. If we need a co-mediatrix to reach heaven if I need a man to give me absolution of my sins we are not in the same family if I have to ride 10 speeds for two years and witness to do and I'm giving you just absurd examples if you add anything to what Jesus Christ did except your reception of the gift you are not of the faith. That's why the Bible tells you to examine yourself to see if you be in the faith. All roads do, all roads do not lead to God. Now, I told you every porch has comfort. The comfort found under this porch 
is no matter which path of belief you take, adhere to, submit to, leads to the only one true eternal God and the heaven that God has prepared for all of us. This po- listen to this. This is very critical. This porch focuses more on the one who has faith instead of the one who the faith is placed in. I got faith in who? In Jesus. Which one? Jesus said, there'll be many Christ. Many. Your Jesus may not be born of a virgin. Your Jesus may not have lived a sinless life. Your Jesus may have been married and had a family. You know all the, all the different things Jesus was, Jesus sinned like we did. Jesus had an affair with Mary Magdalene. Uh, Jesus was not born in Bethlehem. Jesus was not born of a virgin. Which Jesus? I believe in Jesus. Which one? If it varies from the person and the words of the one described in the Bible, that it is a false Christ. So we have to be careful, you know, One word can mean a lot of different things depending on its context. I told you this porch focuses more on the one who has the faith instead of the one on whom the faith is placed in. That's just like somebody, see, I'm the important one. It's my faith that's important, not where my faith lands. See how it's man-focused, man-centered? I, it's what I believe that's important. I don't believe in gravity. I don't believe that I've aged a day since high school. I don't believe in anything such as sin or consequences or judgment. And my road leads to God. You see the absurdity? It is not my belief that saves me. Belief is not a mental assent to the agreement that God exists. Belief is a firm, reliant, exclusive work, trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, his death for my sins, and his resurrection for my life to come. Firm, reliant, and exclusive. There is more emphasis under this porch on sincerity than accuracy. On public opinion instead of eternal facts. Truth is truth. A 12-ounce Coca-Cola in Georgia is just like a 12-ounce Coca-Cola in Nebraska or like a 12-ounce cola in Greece. It's 12 ounces. Truth is truth. It does not change with culture. It does not change with time. Well, you know, now we're evolving. We're, 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 we're being enlightened. That's why we're loosening the confines of the law and, and God's word, and we're diluting it, and we're ordaining homosexuals. We're ordaining adulterers. Wait, I got one for you. Way more than homosexuals, we're ordaining covetous men who are hirelings who rape the people of God financially. He makes merchandise of them. Our trust is in man. It's a sincere trust. But it is a faulty one that will not hold water. Public opinion... (laughs) 
The Bible says broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many therein go, they go that way. Many, many. One of the basic rules, it's not a law for me, but the basic rules is whatever the world's doing, I'm going to take this few steps this way and start this way. Whichever way the world's going, whichever way carnal Christians are going, I might not know all the answers, but I know them. And they don't know the truth nor live the truth. So a good idea of what to do is whatever the world, Hollywood, the media tells you is okay. Point the other way and wait on the Lord to show you what to do. Because Jesus said, they don't know my voice. But another will come in his own name and they'll follow him, which will be the Antichrist. The Antichrist will make them the focus of the world and they will accept that false Messiah. And I know this isn't a shouting Amen, hallelujah sermon. But I want you to get this deep ingrained in your soul that what I'm telling you is not opinions. They are facts. And your soul is at stake and my soul is at stake. We must know, receive, and abide in the truth. The absurdity of this porch that all roads lead to God. I don't know which it is worse, if it's ignorance or arrogance. Now, you can be a brilliant person with a high IQ and be ignorant, which means I'm ignorant on this subject. One of my smartest things about me, I'm going to brag on myself, one of the things that makes me so amazing (laughs) is I know what I don't know. I'm telling you the truth. Grief comes over my house to look in the appliance. It's a washing machine grief. You know, something's wrong with it. He opens a lid. I don't stick my head in the washing machine. Any of y'all know, work on stuff and then the people that call you because they don't know anything want to get under the hood of the car with you, want to get in, and then, and then they want to talk electricity and they want to talk sound and then they, they want to talk motorhome. And you look at them and you go, you had not said three words and I know you're ignorant. That doesn't mean you're not smart. It means you have no idea what you're talking about. But grief just smiles. Hey, brother, would you this porch is filled with many nice kind compassionate deceived ignorant people that have been swayed by the crowd that has come under the porch every path does not lead to success Every path does not lead to love. Every path does not lead to health. Every path does not lead to happiness or wholeness. Every path does not lead to where I think it is. Every path leads to where it is laid. Saying I'm going to Florida and driving 75 north will not work. Well, I believe. And all of us believe you arrogant, narrow-minded Christian. 75 North ain't going to take you to Florida. See? And the hatred and the vitriol. Who are you to say that 75 North won't take me there? Uh, the one that owns a map. You think you're so righteous. Nope. You think you're better. Nope. You got a lot nicer car than I got. You think you have it all together. Nope, but 75 North will not take you to Florida. The absurdity of it. 
And the Bible said, because people love not the truth, part of, part of it is happening now and it will be fulfilled in the tribulation that God will send them strong delusion that they might believe a lie because they love not the truth. Identifying myself as something or someone else does not change the reality ever at any time. I'll give, you know, you hear this all the time now in the news. I'm identifying myself. I'm identifying myself. A male is a female. Female is a male. I'm identifying myself as a scholar. I'm identifying, <laughs> I'm identifying myself as a model. I mean, do you see? Absurdity never sounds so absurd till we hear someone else use it in a different context. I, got, I just have one for you. Just one. Just try it. The next time you go to the gas station, do this today. If you believe that preacher is just that hot air, God will judge him, that judgmental guy. He's just preaching down. Okay. When you go to the gas station, go, after church, go to the gas station. Even if, even if you just need a quarter of a tank, half a tank. And I want you to go to the pump and identify the diesel pump as a regular gasoline one. I, I, I want you to identify it. I proclaim, I believe, and I decree that this is sufficient for the vehicle I have. Pump it in. You don't even have to get back with me to tell me how it works out. And finally, on this point, and most importantly, creating, modifying, or identifying from your own imagination new pathways to salvation by grace through faith is equally as ignorant and will inevitably send your soul to hell. When I go to a restaurant, they determine what's on the menu and what the price is. Since I am God's creation, he knows what's invested in me and he knows what's expected of me. And if he said there's one pathway to salvation, then there's one pathway. And everybody under that porch is wrong. The one world religion that will happen in the days of the great tribulation will not be that everybody comes under the assemblies of God or if everybody comes under Catholicism or everybody comes under whatever. It's that whatever you believe is fine, we are one church. And it's being, it's being set up now. And the porch is filled with people who can't walk right, who can't see right, who can't hear truth, and there is dis-ease in their body, mind, soul, spirit, countenance, and words. But they find comfort because there's so many people just like them under the same porch. All right, number three. And for those of you watching your watches, there's only five. So, <laughs> Inclusion theology. Everybody is or shall be saved. Now, this is... More on the peripheral, but there's a lot of ministers that have preached the word of God for years who have now turned over to this, that everyone makes heaven. In essence, at our core, all of us are good people. I heard one of them, a preacher I followed for many years, 
a declarer of truth for many years, Carlton Pearson, uh, headed up Azusa Revival's conferences for years. Uh, he believes now that we are in evolving consciousness, and uh, he, he, he's, he's gone off the map to, from what is salvation, and it is his declaration that all of us go to heaven. Everyone eventually gets to heaven. I heard Joel Osteen with my ears. Now, I'm not bashing the person. I'm telling you the statement. There's a world of difference between telling you a statement and judging someone's heart. I heard him on his platform say, well, you know, at our core, all of us are good people. We just need, we need help. We need instruction to live right. God's word said all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and that our righteousness, which means our very best, is a filthy rag. So how can we all be good people and all be filthy people? How can we all be just a couple of chiropractic adjustments away from salvation and be damned and helpless and hopeless unless by mercy we are saved by grace through faith? No, not all will be saved. The Bible says in one place in the Old Testament that hell is enlarging itself, which means that like a stomach expanding, it cannot take in all of the people that do not know, that, that were not born again. That's why it's imperative that you use your voice and your influence not to make friends with, which is nothing wrong with that, but share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Share the gospel. Number four, the I believe in God. I've covered part of that. Belief in God is not an acknowledgement of his existence or personhood. But in fact, I told you this, a firm, reliant, exclusive trust in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. I think I went ahead and did my point earlier. So now that we're in Christ and he is in us, there is a war that takes place between our flesh and spirit. Those who are born again from above now have the power to choose the path and pay the price. Write it down. Choose the path and pay the price of sanctification and consecration so that they may live, they might, that, they might, that they may by self-denial live lives that please the Lord and bring great glory to his name and evidence to ex his existence. Those of us who are born again, we now choose, we've chosen the path of Jesus, and we express it in two ways. We sanctify ourselves from the world. We separate from the world its belief systems and anything that contradicts the word and will of God, and we consecrate ourselves unto God, which brings evidence to the world that God exists, because who is the king that you are bowing to? Who is the king whose standards you follow? Who is the king that you talk to? Who, who is the king that you trust in? Who is the king that's changing you? Who's the king that freed you from all those years of being bound by alcohol and drugs? Who is he? It's God. And our life in the truth, the accepting of the truth, then living in the truth, brings evidence to God's existence and glory to his name. Number five, and this is the big one.
Truth is relative. There are no absolutes. Truth is relative. You'll hear phrases like, that's your truth. Truth is relative. This is the largest porch by far. This, church, this, this porch is growing every day. And new porches are being started every week called churches. Now we can take pieces out of the Bible. We know it's a holy book. But you can mix in a little Koran and you can mix in a little Baha'iya and you can throw in the pastor's opinion because truth, if it works for you, it works. If it, you know, uh, the ends justify the means. The comfort in this, in this porch is that there are no absolutes. Then I am absolutely nothing I I don't want to hear or be and, and I, everything I think or declare that I am. If there are no absolutes, then I am God. I get to declare my reality. I get to declare my destination. I de get to declare where I live, how I live, what I do, what I say. In the end, it's what Satan offered Eve in the Garden of Eden. Your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. There's, there's no laws or truth except your truth. God in you. And see, the devil always, everything that he presents is a form, copy, diluted and distorted version of what is true. See, for us, Christ in you, the hope of glory. False religion says, well, God's already in you. You just have to become awakened and quickened. And so they distort it in that way. If I do acknowledge it, all, if I do acknowledge it, all that is unrighteous in me, I can blame on God. If I do acknowledge that there are absolutes, or if I, I'm sorry, let me back up. I, I, I mistyped what I'm trying to say. If I do acknowledge that truth is relative, then all that is bad in me, I can blame on God. Since there are no absolutes, if I acknowledge, if I acknowledge that there is a God, just to pacify you, then I can blame all of my sins and failures upon him because you said he made me. It attempts to make my unrighteousness righteous, but in fact, pleasing to God because it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. The ignorant and arrogant connector to that is since that it was he that created me, he is responsible for my immorality and ungodliness that comes from me. If there are no absolutes and we say, well, I declare that God made me this way. So if he made me this way, then I am not responsible for any of the consequences of the choices or the actions or the life that I live because it's on him. Now let me bring clarity to that for us. The person that says that is very close to the truth. They just miscalculated the context of where it came from. When an addict tells you, uh, I was born this way. When a homosexual tells you, I was born this way. God made me this way. That's no different than a fornicator saying, I was made this way. What they're telling you is scripture teaches that we were all born in sin, that by 
by one sin, Adam, sin passed on to all men, and we were created in sin. The sin nature, not sins, the sin nature is in us. And the proof of the sin nature in us is the expressions of the sins that come out of us. Okay? So when they say I was born this way, they're saying as long as I can remember, I've had a same-sex attraction. So I believe you. As long as I can remember, my heart was filled with lust for women. Somebody else could say, as long as I can remember, I have loved money. I mean, it's a God. Others would say, as long as I can remember, I love the approval of people. Others would say, I, I, as long as I remember, uh, I'm a liar. I, I, I've lied. But to say God made me this way is different than saying I was born this way. Your propensity to a certain sin is not blamed on God. The Bible said sin happens when you are drawn away by your own lust. How many of you know you have your own lust? So we were born in sin. God didn't make us that way. That was passed on from Adam. That's why Christ was born of a virgin. Because when a baby is born, the blood comes from the man. The egg comes from the woman. The blood comes from the man. And I did not inherit Adam's sinful blood. I was reborn from a sinless son of God. And that Adam's DNA did not pass on to me. And he wasn't the second Adam. Jesus was the last Adam. So my wholeness and my freedom comes in where my, where, what my true, the paternity is. This porch declares that I'm not a bad person. I'm not sinful and I'm not unrighteous before God because there's no absolutes. Don't put your religion on me. Don't put your restrictions on me. Since I was born this way, God understands. And it cannot be sin to live out who I am. How can authenticity be sin? Well, what about the man that says, I was born, I just have never been satisfied with one woman. I was born that way. I just, I just can't. Is he lying? No. He's not satisfied to be with one woman. So how do we know that it's sin for him to have sexual relations with someone outside of his wife. The Bible said we would not have known had not God given the law. The one that made us sets the standard. So it's not an issue of what is my propensity, what is my leaning. That doesn't free me from. It's that the law is there regardless of the pull. Since God made me this way, I should unashamedly live out and celebrate his creative design in me. Since I was born this way, then God loves me for who I am, as I am, like I am. This issue of there is no sin. Who are you to say what is sin? This man in this story, Jesus came up to him and said, will you be made whole? And he said, sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in. And Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately he was quickened. He was made alive. He was made whole. He picked up his bed, rolled it up, put it on his back, and he walked. Listen. And later he was found in the synagogue. Watch this. He's worshiping. And Jesus found him and said, hey, come here. 
don't sin like you used to sin. You remember those things that was your proclivity? Or a worse thing can come upon you. To the man he healed. So sin doesn't stop being sinned once I go to church or once I'm born again. Truth stands long before you got here. That Bible that you agree with or disagree with will preach your funeral. It's forever settled in heaven. And Jesus said not one punctuation mark will ever be changed until all things are fulfilled. It's law. It's truth. It doesn't change for us. You, how many of you went to college and either took a class or saw a class? Situational ethics. Situational faithfulness. Do you see what I'm saying? It's, well, it's, it's, I was kind of ethical. That's like kind of being pregnant. Or kind of shooting a shotgun. I, I kind of did. Boy, it's been quiet in here today. Guys, I'm going to have to keep you about 10 minutes longer, but this is very important. There is one truth, they would say. Well, there is not one truth, they would say. There is my truth, there's your truth, there's yesterday's truth, today's truth, and tomorrow's truth. Truth is flexible, it's interchangeable, it conforms to the will of the one wielding the power to decide what is truth, thus subtly yet unmistakably declaring themselves to be God themselves because only God has the authority to declare truth, which is the highest form of idolatry. The danger and foolishness of this porch is that from here there, there is no longer a true north. Without the word of God, there's no longer a true north. And everyone's compass, regardless of where it was made or how valuable it is, has no value. If there is no true north, all compasses are useless. Under this porch, Pastor Ben, if you'd come, I want you to pay careful attention and listen to this. I want to give you some absurdities. I'm not, I'm not trying to shock you but I'm trying to show you what is happening under this porch. And Christians aren't standing up. They're not standing out. They're not opening their voice. The Bible said, earnestly contend for the faith. How will they hear unless there's a preacher? How will they hear unless somebody stands up and says, no, the bridge is out. Don't come this way. This is wrong. This is error. Let me tell you some things under this porch. Under this porch, since there's no absolutes, we are letting toddlers decide which gender they want to be. These are facts. All you got to do is, listen, don't write me. I got a special file for letters after I preach today. Special file for them. We're letting children, little babies decide which gender they want to be. And we're teaching our little boys in elementary school today not to be surprised if and when they have a menstrual cycle at puberty. Little boys. Under this porch, it is mandatory to allow men to be able to use women's restrooms and vice versa. This porch is now forcing insurance companies to pay for men who identify as women 
to have cervical exams. Even though they do not have a... And I'm not trying to be funny. The God of this world has blinded the eyes of those that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. We've become fools. We're, he's given us over. He's giving the generation over right before his return to, to their own darkened mind and impulses. And this law that passed in New York, some Christians will say, how can it happen? He foretold it would happen. When God turns them over to themselves, they're capable of anything. And they're going to take the living child out of the mama and slaughter it on the table. And say that they are doing God's will. Preachers and clergy standing outside of the Planned Parenthood building, holding hands, asking God's blessing on the building, lost their minds. Because there's no true north, there's no compass. Under this porch, you can rewrite history. You can choose which gender you are. You can normalize and celebrate Satanism, witchcraft, all forms of sexual immorality, fornication, adultery, homosexuality, pedophilia, greed, covetousness, lying, bigotry, racism, Divorce. You can organize advance under this porch. Dance in the streets with 10-year-old little boys dressed in drag as the grand marshal of a gay pride parade. Under this porch. Because all truth is relative. And there are no standards. And in our world, this is celebratory. Now let me say something because those have been some strong statements. In my life, I have been as big a sinner as any group of people that I have spoken about today. May not have done the same things, but in other areas, I've done worse. So I'm not standing up here talking down at them. I'm in the crowd turning around saying, it, truth applies to us all. It applies to us all. All the while under this porch, trying to pass laws to create truth, to target, group, marginalize, persecute, and even prosecute those who would speak against or influence others away from their distorted error. If there is, if there are no absolutes, is that what you're saying? Yes, that's what we're trying to tell you narrow church people. There are no absolutes. Well, that's an absolute statement. So, if that's truth, then your theory is flawed from the first phrase. Oh, watch. I get to decide what truth is. If I say there are no absolute truths, that is me stepping in the place of God, rewriting laws, changing laws and times. This porch is the most dangerous because it continues to grow in its popularity, debauchery, deception, anger and hatred to all who stand in opposition against it and for the truth in Jesus Christ. Last Sunday, a brother of mine that I've never met, I just know of, that pastors at Ingleside Baptist, preached a sermon in a series 
in a series. So this follows this, follows this, follows this. And it happened to be on the part of immorality. And the message was on how to live lives pleasing to God. It just so happens that a celebrity who was born and raised here, who everything I've heard about was kind, good to people, popular, benevolent, all of these things, was there. And from Facebook and other social media outlets, when he preached on immorality, he would say, he had, he had six or I listened to the whole sermon. His voice was like this, just as soft. He said, if a man sleeps with another man's wife, is that moral or immoral? And no one was shouting. You couldn't even hear him. It was immoral. Okay. Uh, if I sleep with someone and have sex with them before marriage, is that moral or immoral? Immoral. He said, if I have sexual relations or marry someone of the same sex, is that moral or immoral? Immoral. It was a point in the message of the series. Well, this person who I, I don't know, have nothing against. I know I'm as big a sinner as she's ever been. Well, she left. Others left with her. And the hatred and the anger that was turned against this pastor. I haven't preached that gentle a sermon in 30 years. It, it just couldn't have been any more docile, but it was the truth. And he said, this side of grace, we want to live ways that please the Lord. So one of the relatives, I'm not going to name the names, wrote this scathing hateful list of lies about what he did saw her in the crowd targeted her out changed the whole sermon now we got a six seven week series going changed the whole sermon the, the notes were pre-printed but he targeted her to bully her and berate and beat her up no it's not what happened but under that porch everyone that tells the truth is a bigot and a Pharisee and a hate monger and the only way you get to stay under the porch is if you're quiet and I don't know that he's ever listened to one sermon of mine that was the first one I've ever listened to him but I want you to know and if anybody in his church listens to me that I stand beside him I stand with him And you need to pray. I'm, I'm no more special than you in any measure. But ministers are targets. And you need to pray for his family, his babies, who are catching hell at school. Um, there's a part of it. We're not saying pray to protect us from everything because how can you earn the reward of persecution without being persecuted? Jesus said, when they persecute you for my name's sake, 
be so extremely joyful that you jump up and down because great is your reward in heaven. Okay. So listen to this. I close with these scriptures for us. Now, 30 seconds before I read the two scriptures. I promise I'll let you go. Are we better than anybody under those porches? No. All sin fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. Nobody better than anybody else. All in the same grouping. But the Bible says those that practice those sins will not inherit the kingdom of God. It is not the sins that keep them from heaven. It is the evidence that they are not going there. See what I'm saying? The difference. Because if we sin, we can do the same things. We're miserable. We're so convicted. We can't eat. We're mad at everybody. We're ill. We can't sleep. And we have to go repent. Final two verses. Mark 8, 38. Jesus said, For whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and or my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Mark 9, 42. And whosoever by their behavior, words, talk, example, shall offend a little one that believes in me, a young believer. It is better for you that a millstone were hung around your neck and hurled into the sea when I get done with you. Sobering days. Sobering times. There is no way to stand with the Lord and not stand in the truth. So, as you go from this house today, pick a side. If God be God, follow God. If man be God, follow them. You're going to be maligned. You're going to be mislabeled. If they call Jesus Beelzebub, guess what they're going to call us? <laughs> Love the truth. Live the truth. Speak the truth. In love. But speak it. And let God sort out the details. Because I know this much. When we get home, he's going to balance the books. Blessed are you when men persecute you and revile you for my name's sake. For great is your reward in heaven. Would you stand with me this morning? Now, of course, he's not the only one. There are Christians being brutalized and slain by the thousands in third world countries. You see it all over the news. But I want us to take hands this morning. This is the last thing we're doing. And we're going to pray for Pastor Tim McCoy and Ingleside. We're going to pray for them. I don't know all of why God targeted them first. We could be next in line. I wonder which is the first church that's going to be sued and lose all their property for preaching the truth. That's all in God's hands. But we're going to lift our brother up to the Lord today. So, Father, we stand before you today and we use our access to your throne by the blood of Jesus on behalf of Pastor Tim and our brothers and sisters at Ingleside Baptist Church. I pray, O Lord, first for those that... uh, their eyes are darkened and they're angry and they're upset 
I pray for mercy for them just like you gave us. I pray for grace for them just like you gave us. They're not our enemies. We do not war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But my primary prayer today is for that precious man and his wife and his babies and his friends. I pray, Lord, a surge of your spirit that would increase, strengthen him, encourage to preach the word in season and out of season. That he might sense not only your defense, but your pleasure. May he see that he's closer to heaven today than he's ever been. And he is, wants to be listed among those that is not ashamed at your coming. Bless him, O oh Lord. When those walk away and say what they're going to say and the crowds get smaller and some vote with their money, help him to be strong and encouraged that as long as I have God's smile, I am fine. And I pray, O oh Lord, if there's any blessing slated for this pastor or this church, that you would give it to Pastor Tim and that church for this season. Take care of them and cover them with your precious grace, I pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.